My uh, primary mentor in the ministry was recognized as something of, a, as a, of an expert among uh, his own pastoral peers with children. And so he would, uh, on occasion, go to different churches and consult with people about the work with their, their children. And so he was telling me once about an occasion where he had gone to this church and he was observing uh, Sunday school in a very young uh, Sunday school class, maybe five or six. And as the children came in, the uh, teacher was handing out, uh, at this time it was like mimeographed sheets of paper with a heart on it. And uh, as they came in, she would hand them the blank heart and say, all right, now while you're waiting, this is your heart, color it black. And uh, I thought I'm, I got one laugh over here. I, think, I, I was kind of shocked by that. And, uh, you know, it's a little hard to see a five-year-old with a black heart. And as I think in particular the self-esteem movement has gained progress over the last several years, we've tried to find ways to talk to children about their behavior And in church and in Sunday school, we've tried to find ways to talk to them about sin. And one of the things that has become uh, fairly standard in this discussion, instead of talking about black hearts, is to talk about bad decisions. And uh, I know of a family where uh, they came into the house where their little girl was just crying and she had clearly gotten into something in the kitchen she wasn't supposed to be in and she knew she was caught and she's crying and her mother says what have you done and she said I made a bad decision so uh, you know we we know they're paying attention on these things and if you're six or eight or ten I think trying to explain the concept of sin as a bad decision can be helpful. It can be helpful. But by the time you begin to get a little bit more mature, and certainly by adulthood, I would hope that we have a little bit deeper understanding of what sin is. If sin is only bad decisions, then... I'm not really sure Jesus had to come and die on a cross. He probably just could have lived to a ripe old age teaching parables about forgiveness and maybe giving the Sermon on the Mount part two. But sin is much more than simply making a bad decision. If we work our way through Scripture, what is it God says to Cain? Beware, sin crouches at the door. It's like a... a, A hungry lion waiting to spring upon you and to devour you. When we come to the New Testament, Paul speaks about prison and chain and slavery. We are slaves to sin. We think about sin being a poison. We think about sin as a power at work in the world that is hostile to God. 
it is a lot more than just a bad decision. If it's just a bad decision, then really what most of us are guilty of are just sort of middle-class misdemeanors. And again, I'm not sure that Jesus had to die for that. The passage out of Numbers that Ben read for us earlier illustrates this. The children of Israel are, uh, they are past Mount Sinai, they are wandering in the wilderness, they are encountering different people and conquering them, having battles, and they are learning a lot more about God. And where we picked up in the passage today, they have just won a battle. They have just once again conquered a people who stood in their way. And almost immediately, they begin to rebel against Moses and against God. We hate this manna. Why? I just can't believe Are we having manna again? It's kind of like COVID meals, you know, where you get in your routine and you just fix the same things week after week. They are tired of manna and they are embittered towards Moses. They are embittered towards God. What are we doing out here? be better just to go back to Egypt than to walk around here again. And so they come upon an area where there are these serpents. And they're evidently very poisonous because many of the people who are bitten by the serpents die. Now, I don't think you need a PhD in Bible to understand what's going on here. When you hear serpent in the Bible, doesn't your mind go to the Garden of Eden and that wily creature that brings sin and temptation into the world? And what is sin's number one ally but death? The wages of sin is death. Sin and death are the last enemies. Sin and death always go together. And so here in this this story with Moses and the children of Israel, they have been bitten by a serpent after they have demonstrated their rebellion against God, and they die. And so they cry out to Moses, and God tells Moses to make a bronze serpent, put it up on a pole, And if the people will look to that serpent that God has provided, they will live. And so they look up, and those who are bitten do not die, they live. And what else do we have here except the consequences of the serpent's bite, sin, leading to death, and God making provision for the people to live? And if it's not clear, when we get to Jesus reference to this in the Gospel of John, we now understand it. Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so I must be lifted up. And he's lifted up on a cross. And it's not a serpent on a stick, but a Savior on a cross that saves us. And both are the provision of God for our salvation. It is not something that we can do for ourselves, by ourselves, but it's remembering our trust in God. It is my conviction, 
I don't know how long I'll be your interim, but I promise you will hear me say this again. If you do not understand sin, you don't understand the world, and you will never understand yourself. Sin explains a lot of what is wrong in the world and what is wrong with us. And what we find is that that sin really isn't a matter of middle-class misdemeanors, but there is a power hostile to God at work in the world that would take us and, as God says to Cain, devour us. There is a power that would hold us captive, and we are not able to do anything about it by ourselves. And God has made provision through Jesus Christ. Now, if you think this is preacher talk, you know, just preacher talk, just, you know, you got to talk about sin or we're not really Baptist. Let me, let me just help identify some things in our common experience. I would imagine most of us either have family or have some uh, strong acquaintance that is familiar with 12-step programs, whether it be alcohol, other substance, whether it be gambling, pornography, any number of areas where 12-steps program, programs help people move forward. Number one, we must recognize that we are what? Helpless. Number two, that there is a higher power. Now, as Christians, we believe that is God through Jesus Christ. There is a higher power. And it's not just about addiction. Have you ever made up your mind that you're angry with somebody and you say, no, no matter what happens today, I'm not going to lose my temper. No matter what happens today. Today, I've got it. I'm good. I know my temptation here. I'm ready when I walk in. You walk in, they say the thing, it pushes your button and you are just... Over the top. It's like what Paul says, you know, the good I want to do, I can't do it. And the evil I want to avoid, I do it anyway. I do it anyway. We are captive to it. And the answer is not self-control. The answer is not simply forgiveness. I think forgiveness is essential. Forgiveness is a is a... Uh, one of the primary spiritual problems that we have. But I believe the issue is we need to be delivered. And one of the weaknesses of contemporary American Christianity is that we have failed to understand the severity of the power of sin, and therefore we have um, diminished our appreciation for the power of God through Jesus Christ to do something for us that we can't do for ourselves. I need Christ. And when Jesus is referencing this story in Numbers, he's doing it in his conversation with Nicodemus about God so loved the world, as Jennifer was telling uh, the children. What amazes me is in that passage, it talks about you know, the light that has come and that people have loved darkness better than light. 
This is the same thing as Paul talking about the good I want to do that I can't. It is, it is beyond me to understand how people could know about the light, see the light, and choose darkness over it. And yet I've done it myself. I've done it myself. By ourselves, we are helpless. But in the mysterious conflict that takes place behind the visible events on that Good Friday, when Jesus hangs on the cross, something in that God defeats sin and death. And while they mount a serious rear guard action to continue to distress and damage our lives, the ultimate outcome is God wins. Forgiveness comes. Deliverance is possible. So I want to say to you today, God is not only able to forgive, but let's believe in the power of God in Christ. If he can raise Christ from the dead, why cannot God deliver us from the sins that plague our lives? I know God can. Let us trust and offer ourselves that we might be delivered today. Would you pray with me? Oh God, we thank you that you loved us enough to send Christ, that he loved us enough to die, and that you are powerful enough to forgive, to deliver. Bring us deliverance now through Christ our Lord. Amen.